Do you have a kid that loves to fish, or maybe a neighbor kid that loves to fish? Or maybe your kid's interested in fishing, but you're not, and you're not sure how to get them in on more opportunities. Well, we're going to talk about just that, up to and including tournament fishing for teenagers, on this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad Lachance, and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. All right, guys, LaChance here. Thanks for tuning in to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. As always, we appreciate that. This episode's something that means a lot to me. It's something close to me, and it's something that I've invested a lot of time in. And uh, and I don't even have kids because I'm a mid-50s guy with no kids, and yet I have taught lots and lots and lots of kids to fish. Uh, and I've done it through an organization. And here's how, here's why I wanted to talk about this so much, because it's a very common email that we get here at Fishful Thinker, which, by the way, you can email me, chat at fishfulthinker.com. Very, very common email is, hey, my kid's interested in fishing, but I don't fish, and I don't know how to get him involved. Or my kid's really into fishing and wants to do it at a higher level. How can I help them beyond my own skill set? And you have options. And that's a beautiful thing because when I was a kid, you really didn't have a lot of options. If your parents didn't fish or you didn't have a grandparent or somebody that would teach you, you had to figure it out on your own. And these days, that's absolutely not the case. And no, I'm not going to say you need to get them on YouTube or you need to get them on. Of course, they can learn stuff all there, but I am in no way, shape or form an advocate of more screen time for your kids. What I'm an advocate of is more outdoors time and I honestly feel like there's opportunities more for kids to fish these days than there ever has been before. And that's what I wanted to really get get the, the meat of in this podcast, guys. So um, set a little bit of backstory. As I said, I don't have kids, never did have kids, and it was a personal choice that I made. But very early on, how Fishful Thinker was launched back in 2002, 3, and 4, long time ago, over 20 years ago now, or right at 20 years ago now, Uh, The first event we ever did was through a mentoring organization. So I reached out to a youth mentoring group for uh, at-risk youth because I felt the need to teach some kids to fish. And I figured, hey, this will be a great way to get some kids that could use the help. And I can get a whole bunch of kids in one shot to come to a pond. I I went to Colorado Parks and Wildlife and said, hey, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring all these kids from this organization. They're telling me we can get 30 kids. Is there some help we can get from you guys? They gave me some educational materials. Uh, They stocked some whirling disease positive trout in a closed system where even if they got out, they couldn't possibly make it into running water. And said, yeah, we would love to do that. We can't do anything else with these trout. Let's teach these kids to fish. And what I found was it was the most rewarding thing that I have done as an angler. And that includes competing myself, Uh, up to the pro level. Uh, That includes guiding people. Um, And along those lines, I guide a lot of kids these days, typically fathers and sons, mothers and sons, um, or or fathers and daughters, I should say. I shouldn't shouldn't discriminate that way. But I get lots of kids in the boat with their parents, and I still love that. But it was more enjoyable for me to have the kids separate. And what I figured out was that, hey, when I got involved, there's a lot of organizations for getting kids out there and getting them fishing. And I figured it out because I was fishing tournament bass fishing at the time. 
and I've learned about the Junior Bassmasters and the, um, the those organizations started at like 11 years old and they had a couple of age groups like 11 to 14 and 15 to 17, I think is what it was at the time. I don't, I can't tell you that right off the top of my bat. And it's changed in the deck or two decades since then anyway, I'm sure. But what it came down to was all these bass clubs that are up and down the front range of Colorado, and I know they have them all over the country, um, had a youth component. And it was part of their way of giving back to, to uh, you know, to basically to fishing in general for all the permits they get and all of that and the way to bring youth into the sport and to just generally grow their own sport that these adults were involved in. And so after we did a couple of those events with the, with the partnering organizations, uh, with the youth mentoring organizations, Boys and Girls Club and, and Partners Organization, a couple others, um, I figured out that, hey, this is pretty good. I, I thoroughly enjoy teaching the kids. So I got involved in the Junior Bassmaster side of things. Um, what I found out there was that's where you found the kids that were very interested in fishing, but they needed to take it to the next level. Some of the mentoring stuff I did those kids may or may not have ever been fishing. So that was uh, rewarding, let's say, but it was really rewarding for a guy like me who likes to teach to have a kid that already had some basic skills and, uh, and, a, and a piece of putty that I could mold into a, a solid bass fisherman. And I found that to be the most rewarding thing at all of all. And if you're listening to this and you happen to be a, a tournament bass guy or just a hardcore bass guy, um, check into your local area's clubs because they're always looking for volunteers to help with the Junior Bassmasters events, volunteer boaters, things like that, to help with Junior Bassmaster events. And it's something I just got involved into the point where I was like, man, this is this is really more rewarding than me fishing tournaments myself, probably for the same reasons that I enjoy guiding is the teaching side of it. And so I got more and more involved with it. And I was introduced to a kid who I, I won't name right here because it's not super relevant and I'm not here to talk about this kid, but turns out he was 10 years old. His mom approached me at an International Sportsman's Expo and wanted to know, hey, my son wants to be a professional bass fisherman. What should be his next step? And I was given a presentation on fishing, something I don't even know, it's not relevant. And uh, I said, well, how old's your son? She, she said, at that time, he was nine. And I'm like, well, that's pretty young to know he wants to be a tournament pro, but she was adamant about it. So my answer to her, for the record, was make sure he goes to college and get a business degree. And backstory real quick, he just got a master's degree. So yeah, he did that. Uh, they did go down that road. But I kind of took that kid under my wing as a mentor because his parents fished and they didn't like to fish as much as he liked to fish and this kid was ate up with it. And so I started mentoring this kid. We entered the first tournament. I, I talked to his parents into bringing him to this junior Bassmaster and hooked him up with the organizers. They bring him out. No one bothered to card him and no one figured out he was only 10 years old and the rules state that you have to be 11 or older to be covered by the insurance, I think is what the hiccup was they gave us at the time. Well, I put the kid in the boat because I was the guy I elected to take him out and, uh, and go fishing and try to compete against the older kids. And as a 10-year-old, uh, he smashed everybody. He won the adult side. He won, or not the adult side. He won the, the older kid side, the, uh, the 15 to 18 side. He won the underside, uh, the underage side as well, by a large margin, just absolutely smashed these kids. And I was impressed by his level of focus and determination that day. Uh, at a very high level, and uh, especially for his age, but he had a high level of focus for kids not even you know twice his age. He had that kind of determination, and 
Long story short, I continued to mentor that kid. Uh, they took the trophy away, just for the record, because he was not old enough. Once they figured out he was 11, he was not eligible to win the trophy. He had to be 11. He was only 10. They took it away, and that was sad. However, we got revenge by going back the next year and winning it again, and subsequently won that thing, I think, three times between him and I, maybe four times uh, as a junior, as a junior, uh, as a young kid. Long story short, we went on to high school level, and then I continued to coach him with a couple of different teammates at the high school level. Uh, his skills developed, my skills developed uh, uh, via trying to teach him, if that makes any sense. Because before you can teach something, you have to understand it at a deeper level and, more importantly, know how to communicate it. And, uh, and so by figuring out how to teach younger people to fish, it required that I could do a better job. And even more important than that, and this is something I'm going to get back to, I had to be able to get them to catch fish in ways they could fish. It doesn't matter if, if I can catch them with my skills. If you're going to coach kids, you've got to work on their skills, yes, but B, in the act of competition, you need to stay within the skill sets that they have. And so I learned things in coaching that kid. By the time it was said and done, we won, I believe, four state championships. He won a junior world championship. He won a, a geez, what else? A regional championship of some sort. And he won the Costa uh, High School Bassmaster National Championship, which is a hard deal to do. There's nearly 300 boats, or right at 300 boats in that tournament. It's a three-day tournament on a lake we'd never been to. Uh, winning that tournament is not easy to do, as evidenced by the fact that we qualified for it twice, and the first time we went, we finished tied for dead last. The second time we went, we won the whole shooting match the following year, which was still to this day the biggest, um, uh, I don't know, the biggest reward of my single fishing career. And the only reason I'm telling you that is to justify the fact that I can teach, I can, I can help you with some things that I think are important when you are going to coach kids or teach kids to fish. Uh, and I'm not talking about five-year-olds, six-year-olds. That depends on the kid, things like that. I'm talking about kids that are 10, 11, 12 years old that have a little bit of independence on their own and uh, are physically capable of some reasonable skills and working them all the way through the, the high school ranks. A uh, couple of key things I found out when working with, with this kid and, and his various teammates. Uh, one of them I already alluded to. You, first of all, let's say you're going to take a kid and do one of these junior tournaments. You have to keep the fishing within the skill set of the kids. Um, a very important lesson I learned was I took a kid who could win easily at, if, if I did what he had the skills to do. But we went out and practiced for one of the tournaments on a reservoir down in southern Colorado called Pueblo Reservoir, and I found some really quality largemouth. In practice, the coach gets to fish. And I found some quality largemouth that I was getting bites on by flipping heavy cover. And I thought, man, oh man, if we catch five of those, we're done. We win, no chance are they going to win. Uh, or are they going to beat us if we catch five of these fish? We're going to win for sure. And as a coach, I was 100% confident going to the next day. What it didn't occur to me is the kids on my team were not that good at working that heavy cover. And I was blind to that fact, even though I was in the boat with them. And so... What happened was the first day of the tournament went out and uh, and we go back to those fish and right away we're missing hook sets, missing bites, not getting the jig and pig in where it needed to be. 
And I came to the realization that we were not only not going to win because they didn't have the skills to catch that fish, but we were going to come back with, with minimal or no fish because we were so far out of their skill set. That was a major lesson for me, and it's something I see to this day commonly with any of the volunteer events I do. It doesn't matter how good you are at, at working wood cover or how good you are at, at running a jerkbait around, or you might finesse jig like a champion, but if your kid's not able to do it, you don't want to do it in a tournament. So practice days are where you determine what your kid's skill set is more than what the fish are doing. It's more important that you go work with the with the kid's skill sets than it is that you go find the biggest fish because we ended up finishing last in that tournament. And the next year on the same lake, I was determined not to make that mistake. And we went out and we worked finesse stuff that I knew both kids were strong at doing. Turns out it was a very tough bite. We caught, I think, three or four fish, didn't even get a limit, and still won that state that state title because the fishing was so difficult. And by me taking the kids to fish their strengths, and as opposed to my strengths or, or swinging for the bleachers, it became uh, an opportunity for us to win, and we capitalized on that. And that's a really important thing. Another important thing that I figured out with the kids is to make them think about it. Don't tell them how to do it. It, it was a major turning point for me when I started, instead of telling them things, I started asking them things. Ask them constant questions all day long. Why do you think that happened? Why did you tangle that line? Why did that not fail? Why, 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 why? Make them think and give you an answer. And then give them the right answer if their answer is out, out of whack. Well, you're not broke because you didn't retie it in the last 20 minutes. If I constantly tell them to retie, they don't think that through. You do those things in practice, and it becomes habit where they're waiting for you to tell them. And then when you get a higher level, as their skill sets evolve, there's no one to tell them, and they won't figure it out. So as soon as they break something, or as soon as something goes wrong, why did that go wrong? Or conversely, as soon as something went right, why did it go right? And as a coach, what you'll find out is you'll get their thought process working, and you'll make those kids improve at a higher rate because they're thinking about what they're doing instead of being just told how to do it. A fundamentally different thing. Force the issue, get them to think. Another thing that I feel like is really important that the adults um, don't always do with their days on the water is you have to instill a sense of urgency in the kids. If they're going to compete, they have to have a sense of urgency. If your kid doesn't have a sense of urgency, it doesn't matter what sport it is, if he doesn't have that sense of urgency, maybe he's not cut out for tournament bass fishing. But if you've got a kid that, hey, he's got some drive, well, then you develop the, the sense of urgency. Every minute you're in the boat not doing something uh, that's going to lead directly to catching fish, you're wasting time. And over the course of an eight-hour tournament day, that's going to be a big deal. Those kids are not going to have the same opportunities for bites when they spent, say, they, they wasted 30 minutes of the day in the boat. Well, that's too much time. So the sense of urgency has to be instilled in the kids as well. And again, if they can't tolerate that, then they probably need a different sport. Unless they're you know, 11, 12, and they're just barely getting going, they need to have a sense of urgency. If you've got a kid that's in the high school program at this point, the kids he's going to compete against, a lot of them are at a high level, particularly if he moves on to you know, a regional or a, or a state championship. And a guy in Alabama, or a team, I should say, in Alabama might have, 
you know, all of the kids on the team, parents fish and they all tournament fish and they can drive the boat at a young age and the whole nine yards. Whereas if you're in, say, Colorado, where I'm at, the kids aren't exposed to it as early in life and they don't understand some of the nuances of it. Developing that sense of urgency and drive is, a, is an important part of it that I, I felt like was a major thing that, that helped me cultivate some kids. Uh, another thing that I think is really important in tournament fishing, particularly for the younger kids, if you're going to get your kids involved in any of these organizations, is... Focus on their physical skills with a rod and reel, particularly a spinning rod. Don't be in a rush to get your 12-year-old on casting tackle. These days, with modern braided line and modern quality rods, there's no power disadvantage to throwing spinning tackle. So rather than overcomplicate and say, oh, well, okay, you're throwing this topwater, you know, whatever, walking bait that you are very comfortable throwing on heavy braid and casting tackle... That's great, but rather than complicate the issue with the kid, he already knows how to throw a spinning rod. He knows what's up with that. So get him working that route and not overcomplicating all of it. So separate the mechanical skills and the lure skills because you can work back and forth between those two at different times as you're teaching those kids to succeed in, in a tournament situation or a competitive situation. Uh, so I focused with, with my kids and I won state championships as a coach, I believe with four kids off the top of my head, three kids at least. I don't think we caught a single fish in any of those state championships on casting tackle. And the reason being is I focused on fishing to their strengths. They were more solidly skilled with spinning tackle. So rather than try to adapt during a, a, a situation of a tournament, try to adapt a kid to a to, to a new piece of tackle, I'm going to adapt the lure to the kid. And that's what we did. And that worked for us each time. I also want to point out that with those same kids on Kentucky Lake, in Kentucky and Tennessee, in the middle of summertime, fishing for largemouth bass uh, up dirt shallow, we won that tournament on spinning tackle. So they were very skilled with spinning tackle at a high level, and when it came time to fish some shallow cover, rather than deal with any kind of backlashes or anything like that, we focused on their strengths, like I keep talking about in the beginning. Another thing I think that's really important uh, with kids in the boat is to keep them hydrated. They, and I'm not talking about with, with a soft drink or an energy drink or anything like that, one of the biggest things for me with the kids is forcing the issue. Look, if I'm going to take time out of my day to volunteer to take you fishing, you are going to drink this water, whether you like it or not. And if you're going to drink it, then we aren't going to go fishing. And you're going to agree to that in the boat before you get in. Make those kids drink water because nothing burns kids out faster than going up and down with sugar and caffeine and energy drinks and heat and being on the water. And they may not have the endurance that you have or I have because we haven't spent that much time in the boat when you're their age. When you're you know, 11, 12, 14 years old, you may not have that eight hours of fishing endurance. Making them drink water, keeping away from sugar, candy, things like that, keeping their mood more even over the course of the day, not only is good advice for them, it's also good advice for you, but it's critical advice for kids uh, to keep their mind in the game and to keep their focus level up to some degree. So getting those kids to be their best as, a, as an athlete and a student, because it takes a little bit of both to be an angler, uh, is 
best reserved when their blood sugar and their hydration is in good good form right there. So I think that's really important. Um, the other thing about it is the sportsmanship side of it and the respect side of it and all of the other things that go along with any other sport you're in. Just because you're fishing and your kid's fishing against fish instead of other kids maybe, because uh, tournament fishing is really between you and the fish more than anything else, um, then it's very important to the sportsmanship and the teamwork side of it. So. I drilled my kids each time. When one of you hooks a fish, the other one drops what they're doing and helps net that thing, get it in the boat. It doesn't matter. It's not a competition between the two kids. Keep their lures apart where they're not thrown on top of each other. If one of them's front end and the other one, swap them back and forth every hour. Whatever you got to do, keep them from competing with each other when they're on the team. They should build each other up, not compete with each other, even though they're doing the same things. And, and a teenage kid, it, especially one that's got enough drive to get involved at high school bass fishing level, he's going to naturally be competitive and he's going to want to beat the other kid in the boat. And that's great. But we win as a team and we lose as a team. And that's very important to keep in mind. If somebody hooks a big one and the other kid doesn't help him net it and it gets away, the whole team loses, not just, you know, not just the kid that lost the fish. So that's important as well. Uh, how do you get your kid involved with some of these organizations? I mean, I don't have to explain that too much. You guys have the Google out there. You can look it up. But at the end of the day, BASS, Bass Angler Sportsman Society, has a whole organization that goes with that, as does the uh, other organizations that host tournaments. If your high school doesn't have a team, there are people with BASS that will help you get the team. They're technically intramural teams. They're not um, scholastic uh, like teams like you would say football. In most cases, the high schools won't help fund it. In some cases, they will, but it's really more about the insurance than anything else. So if your kid's in a high school and you're listening to this and you're thinking, man, my kid would be good at that. He loves to fish and he's got drive and focus and blah, 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 but he doesn't have a high school team, if nothing else, send me an email and I'll help you get it figured out. But the high schools, you can get teams. And just for the record, the kid I won the national championship with or the two kids I won the national championship with did not have a high school team at the school they were at. We had to help and his parents had to help mostly to put that together and get that team going so that we were legal to compete and subsequently win at the national championship level. So I think that's really important. One other thing on the tournament fishing with the kids that um, I think is important as a coach. I, we lost one one important thing with with this with my with my kid that I mentored the most, which basically went his entire um, fishing career until he went off to college. Uh, you lose as a coach, you can't hold it against the kid because you're the coach. So at the end of the day, it is your goal uh, to win and same as it's his goal to win. And when you don't win, you lose together, analyze why you lost together and understand that it may very well be the coach's fault. And, and I'll be dead candid when I tell you this. When we finished last in the national championship after driving 1,700 miles and spending eight days, and we finished dead last, I was irate. I'm not going to lie. I, we put the boat in the trailer. We had failed to catch a keeper in two days on a Kentucky lake, a gigantic lake. We couldn't find a 15-inch bass and put him in the boat. Um, that was on me as a coach, and it was also partly on one of the parents. And the reason being is we 
didn't I did coach them correctly and that was because the parents and I weren't on the same page. You have to understand that. And I was irate with myself because I knew part of the way, probably most of the way through the first day, that we were done. Our practice had been incorrect and our practice had been incorrect because we had not been in full agreement on how to catch the fish. And you have to do that. There has to be one chief and one Indian. You have to work together, and that's super important uh, to go that way, or one chief and two Indians, as the case might be. But when the two Indians lose, it's as much on the chief for being the strategist in the whole thing. And, and yeah, it's possible that your kids made some physical mistakes or something like that, but at the end of the day, when you finish last, it's on the coach as much as it's on the team. And that was something that I had to deal with, and it's why I was mad. I was mad at myself more than anything else. That doesn't mean I broke down and yelled at people. That doesn't solve anything. I drove a thousand miles across country mad at myself uh, because I realized that I had let myself fall into a, to a strategic trap. So keep in mind as the coach, if you're going to coach these kids, that it's on them. And if you're a parent and somebody else is coaching them, you might remind uh, that parent that that's going to be important, that, hey, we're all in this together. And I, as a parent, I'm going to understand that just because you're going to volunteer to help my kid doesn't mean you're going to win. Somebody's got to lose at every tournament, right, or any other competition for that matter. So that's important. Let's back up a little bit and go through something uh, a little bit different. Say so you've, you've heard all that, and you say, okay, well, my kid loves to fish, but he doesn't have that kind of hardcore drive. He's not going to try to work his way up through the you know high school fishing, something like that. There's also uh, pretty much all of the uh, Department of Natural Resources that I've ever dealt with, and I've dealt with a lot of them in this country, have some sort of an education component for kids. They'll do youth events. Uh, they'll do youth outings where you can take kids and they'll have volunteers. I volunteered for these as well. Uh, they'll have volunteers that'll teach your kids to fish. There's several uh, organizations around the country. Uh, there's one here in Colorado, Colorado Youth Outdoors, CYO. Their whole deal is they build relationships between kids and mentors or parents by using traditional outdoor pursuits with fishing being one of them. They offer bass fishing as well as fly fishing and other things, but they their volunteers will help you and your kid or your, men, your kid's mentor and you. Maybe you're a single mom or single dad and you have to send a mentor with the kid. That's fine. They'll help you with that as well. So uh, there's organizations like that. Like I said, here in Colorado, uh, Colorado Youth Outdoors is the one that comes to mind right off the top of my head, but Colorado Parks and Wildlife also does them as well. Uh, there's private events that if you look around for, you can find them. Perhaps you have a uh, developmentally disabled kid of some sort or disadvantaged kid, then there's an organization called Catch a Special Thrill or castforkids.org. Uh, they will take uh, kids with a variety of, of different development issues uh, on a yearly event around the country. They hold those all over the country. Uh, you look them up and maybe uh, some of the kids I've had in the boat have had Down syndrome. You want to have the most genuine pleasure in the world. Um, get, a, get a Downs kid in a boat and hook them to a fish and watch that go down. In those cases, a lot of times it's up to you to hook the fish, hand them to the kids, depending on 
the situation. Some of them can fish fairly well. It just depends. You don't know who you're going to get in your boat. Those are extremely well-run events with professional staff. They're free for the parents. There's tons of uh, volunteers and sponsors for them, and it's a fantastic organization. So look those up if maybe your kid's not uh, not 100% up to speed at being able to compete or things like that. Um, hey, that's not a problem. We can still get them out fishing. Very important to keep that in mind. And then the aforementioned mentoring groups. Uh, Boys and Girls Clubs have done events with us. Uh, Fort Collins Partners have done events with us. Um, a couple different towns have done individual just fishing days, kids fishing days, um, all those events, very important. But at the end of the day, there's no excuse. If your kid, let's say you're a parent and you don't fish and you want your kid to fish or your fish is just, your kid has displayed some interest in it, it doesn't matter what their physical levels are. It doesn't matter what their um, you know drive or competitive levels are. If they want to compete, great. Compete and take all the other advice I said and help them compete at a high level. They don't want to compete, get them out there and get them involved in the first place. And I'm going to end this kind of backwards um, because in the very beginning, if you've stayed and listened to enough of this, you probably like to fish and you're thinking this through and hopefully you maybe have a kid that's really young. Let me give you some advice on the youngest kids. Um, you know, uh, when you're teaching a, a five, six, seven-year-old to fish, eight-year-old maybe. First of all, it's not about the fish. Uh, show them the frogs, show them the tadpoles, show them the wading birds, uh, whatever the case might be. Uh, introduce them to the overall environment. A key one that I found helps really good is go buy some super cheap polarized glasses. I am not a fan of those as for adults. You talk about a great way to get a headache and ruin your vision, go buy some cheap polarized glasses. But for a kid that's only going to be doing it for a little bit, you'll be surprised at how well they'll be able to see in the water column, and it will make things totally different as they're walking around their little pond and looking at the water and being able to see stuff. Uh, very important. Make it about all of that. Another thing, don't get them out of bed at 5 o'clock in the morning because that's when you want to go fish. You, work with your kid's normal schedule, whatever that might be. If he normally gets out of bed at, at 8 o'clock in the morning and is out of the house at 9, then take him fishing at that time. Am I going to tell you that's the best time to catch fish? No, it's the best time to catch your kid, and your kid will have more fun. And one of the things that frustrates me, even with the kids' tournaments, and I've been an advocate against, is getting kids to drive two hours and have to check in at 5 a.m. when they're 12 years old. That's not good. By the, by the time, you know, 10, 11, 12 o'clock in the morning, especially if they haven't been fed properly and all that, the kids are, are done. They're, they're exhausted. They didn't get their normal sleep. Uh, they're, it's just not good. So let them get a night's sleep. Don't take them out in freezing cold conditions either. They're going to be uncomfortable. Okay, well, I'm toughing my kid up. No, let it, you're trying to teach him something he's going to enjoy. Don't get them freezing cold or don't make them get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and don't keep them out ridiculously late. I, I'm an advocate of very short trips. And if the kids are uh, have never fished at all, I recommend don't even bring tackle of your own. Just let the kids deal with it with their own tackle. And if push comes to shove and they haven't seen a fish, maybe you need to break a rod out and show them a fish. Help them with their rod and help them catch one. Last little piece of tidbit, don't buy a 3-foot Snoopy pole. That's not going to help you. It's not going to help your kid. I was one time doing an event with a, with a bunch of um, Girl Scouts. 
most of them had never fished and it was on a private pond and there was bluegills everywhere. And so this little girl's like, I don't know, five years old maybe, and she's got a bobber and that bobber's getting flushed one after the other. She's pretty good at lobbing it five feet offshore like she needs to do. The bobber's going down one after the other and she's missed them every time. So here comes professional fisherman Chad Little Chance. I'm going to come over there and show this young girl how to do it. And I walk over there and guess what? I swung on about five or six bluegills before I realized that the angle of the line between the rod to the bobber and then down to the bait that was hanging under there was such an angle that with that two and a half foot long Snoopy pole she had, you couldn't pull the line straight, much less get the hook set because of the angle of the line, right? So you're trying to set the hook on the hypotenuse. And I couldn't get it set myself. All I did to take to get that girl to catch fish was take that rod away from her, give her a five and a half foot long rod. She caught every one of them after that. And the difference was she was able to move more line. So the Snoopy pole is fun for teaching target practice in the garage with the kids or casting practice in the yard. That's fun. But when it comes time to actually fish with them, I'm an advocate of a four and a half foot or longer uh, Shakespeare ugly stick. At the end of the day, they're gonna. If you give them a good rod, they're gonna break it, and you can't blame them. It's fragile. It's not the right answer. It's long. It's awkward. No good. But a four and a half foot long or a five foot long uh, microlite ugly stick of some sort is they're not gonna break it. It's gonna give them enough leverage that they need to be able to get hook sets when they need them, uh, and also will extend their casting range, which will make them happy. And then the last thing I'll throw out there is: say you got a kid that's done some fishing, but you say, oh, he gets bored when he gets snagged or he can't. Do this. This is, this is a fun one. This is the best way to get kids hooked. It's also one of the best ways to get other people hooked as well uh, that haven't fished much. Get them topwater fishing because if they stop with a popper, let's say a, a little chopo, a Berkeley chopo is a great one, something can just whine, but that floats. If they make a cast and they don't close the bale fast enough, no problem. The bait's just going to float. If they stop mid-retrieve, the bait's not going to sink to the bottom and snag, and they're not going to have to detect bites because they can see it. So something like a chopo that they can just wind um, on the surface around any bass pond that's full of 10-inch bass in you know April, May, June, July, depending on where you live in the country, they're going to get bites, and they're going to understand what's going on because they're going to see it. Uh, it's visual, it's fun, and for the same reasons you like topwater fishing, so do they. So that's my advice on competing with kids, possibly getting some kids out there, uh, whatever the case may be. So if you have further questions on this one, please send me an email at chat at fishfulthinker.com. It's something I'm passionate about. I would be glad to help you with that. Uh, or on our social media at Fishful Thinker on Facebook or Instagram. You can send us a message there. We'd be glad to do that. If you're somewhere in the Colorado area, you can book a guide trip with us, and I'll take you and your kid out, and we can not only talk about all that, but I can teach them stuff as well. So we appreciate that, and uh, hopefully you'll tune in to World Fishing Network and Altitude Sports and see what's on Fishful Thinker TV. But thanks for listening. This has been Fishful Thinker, the podcast.